Hey, are you going to Gen Con? Well, guess what? So are Rudy Basso and I. And on Friday night at 8.30 p.m. of Gen Con, we will be at Tavern on South, and we want to meet with you. That's right. If you are going to Gen Con that Friday at 8.30, Tavern on South, it's a bar and restaurant. It's less than a block from the convention center. It's at 423 West South Street in Indianapolis. We will be there. We're going to be hanging out in the bar section. Come meet with us. Tell us what you think about the show. Maybe play a game with us. We don't know what we're going to be doing, but we want to meet fans of the Tome Show. Rudy Basso of the D&D V&G podcast and regular panelist on the roundtable. You can follow him on Twitter at R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. And you can follow me on Twitter at J-A-M-E-S. I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Our Twitter handles are real easy. It's just our first name followed by our last name. Follow us there. We'll be sending you pictures of where we are at Gen Con and what we're doing. So even if you can't meet up with us on Friday night, you can meet up with us probably at another time. We have a lot of games scheduled, but we'd love to meet with you. So go follow us on Twitter. Follow The Tome Show on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Get regular updates about where Rudy and I are. Jeff Greiner is going to be there. Tracy Hurley is going to be there. People are going to be all over the place. So if you want to come check us out, like I said, 8.30, Friday night of Gen Con, Tavern on South. Follow us on Twitter to get other updates. All right, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Ichikasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then you shop as you normally would. Guys, today's guest is Wolfgang Bauer. He's the Cobalt-in-Chief at Cobalt Press, and he's been on this podcast many times. Big friend of the show. Level 50 NPC, Wolfgang, how are you? I'm <laughs> doing great, thank you. <laughs> Level 50, hey, I've leveled up since last we spoke. That's yes, great. yes, yeah. You're now, I mean, I, I hold you in high regard way above Tiamat, that's for sure. Ooh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Tiamat's got her own issues, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we've... I've been traveling around. I've been on the convention circuit. It's been a lively time because um, I always overcommit for <laughs> conventions, <laughs> and I'm trying to dial it back, but it's fun to go out and talk to people. I was at PaizoCon for Memorial Day, and then I was at North Texas for the old school show and Gen Con. You know, I, my calendar says it's still six weeks away, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels just around the corner. <laughs> It does, it does, and the excitement is certainly palpable on social media, but let's talk a little bit about how PaizoCon went for you and the old school gathering out in Texas. How was all of that? Sure. Well, PaizoCon's always a great show because it's the local show, right? It's like I, I drive down to the airport hotel <laughs> here in Seattle and I... I, you know, unload the car and I say, hey, that was, that was 40 <laughs> minutes of grueling travel. I always like to tweet about, you know, hey, we're on the road. We're going to PaizoCon. It's a long way, but we're going to make it. <laughs> and then, you know, the arrival. So it's uh, it's fun just because it's in our backyard. Everybody from Paizo is there. They throw this big banquet every year on Saturday where they announce all their products for the coming year for Pathfinder and, and all their peculiar licenses or card game things and their volunteer of the year awards and just this big social gathering of the tribe um which is a blast um and it keeps growing because this year they were in a bigger airport hotel <laughs> um i mean the show's like seven seven years old eight years old i've been to all of them um and the first one was in a room like at the la quinta inn with 25 <laughs> people four of them on the panel at the table in the front right right <laughs> um so it's come a long way really fast and and what i've noticed this year as opposed to prior years was it's not only is it a little bigger 
there's also been even more emphasis on Pathfinder Society play than usual. Mm. Uh, it's always a big show for the hardcore fans of the Pathfinder Society. Um, but it was also the first time that Cobalt Press put down, like, I don't know what we did, 15 or 20 tables worth of playtime on, uh, on Cobalt Press scenarios, right? Wow, nice. Yeah, it's kind of a lot for a small house, but we... Uh, we roped in some game masters, and we said, hey, we want to run this, this, and this. And it went pretty well. People came back uh, after their sessions and said, hey, we played goblins in the brewery, and it was it was a blast because <laughs> there were goblins and everything went wrong. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's it's kind of a hangout show. It's not a, it's not a Gen Con kind of show where you're rushing from thing to thing um and at the same time there's all the paizo staff wearing their their blue shirts um you know running the delve running panels running a million society events and uh and it went well at the same time we released a couple of new things there halls of the mountain king because yeah we did a a pathfinder version of that book finally like (laughs) seven years after it was released as a DD 3.5 adventure (laughs) Yeah, I'm uh, excited. I'm excited to play through it as a Pathfinder adventure. I love that thing. Yeah, it's a good, good adventure. And Brandon Hodge was sort of the lead designer or the, you know, the most well-known designer on that project. And he was the guest of honor at PaizoCon, so I got him to sign a bunch of the books. Nice. Yes. And some of them sold immediately, and some of them I just had the Paizo staff and said, guys, here. <laughs> but it's the Paizo Warehouse. Somebody's going to get a signed Brandon Hodge edition of Halls of the Mountain King. They won't even know. They'll open it up and they'll say, who ruined the title page with this Zeppelin drawing? <laughs> <laughs> or whatever he drew there. Yeah. So <laughs> Brandon's great, and he uh, he was happy to see the new edition of Halls of the Mountain King as well. I, it, It's meaty. It's like 160 pages long. And we put some new art in and a whole new layout, and it, it looks it looks really good. Nice, nice. That's awesome. So what else were you guys showing off while you were at PaizoCon? Oh, well, we had Goblins in the Brewery, which we only sell at the conventions. We had something called uh, Shadows of the Dusk Queen, which is an 8th level uh, Pathfinder adventure, sort of out in the shadow realms of the Fae. Um, I don't want to give too much away about that one, but... (laughs) It's really nice. It's by Mark Radel, who's also the art director for, for Cobalt Press, and he's a heck of a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we can tear him away from his, you know, art and layout duties, uh, <laughs> he, he goes to town. Um, and that one, um, we actually had the artist, the artist who did like the cover and most of the interior art. Brian Syme was there, and he signed a few of those books, and was just, you know, saying, "Hey, check it out. This is my art." Um, and that's the kind of show it is, right? It's like, oh, look, here's Jason Engel, famous <laughs> Magic the Gathering artist, Pathfinder artist, he used to do stuff for Cobalt Press, just hanging out here, right? Um, Craig Spearing's the same way. He, he did a couple covers for us, so I hung out with the artists for a while. Yeah, well, they're, they're a crazy bunch. Raven Mamura was there, too, and it's like, damn it, you know, you've got all this great stuff, Raven. Why have we not worked together? I'm too busy. Well... <laughs> <laughs> problem to have <laughs> yeah um, it's nice to hear people in the industry uh having that problem yeah know? yeah well i mean the usual answer for artists is well you ought to up your fees but you know that's a fine balance too yeah you don't want to lose all your work then too. right it's like well if I, I raise them just a little i should be fine if i raise them too much then all of a sudden the people who said ah, we can just barely afford them will all say no we can't afford them get someone else and then you're off the Regular rotation, right? I'm, I'm gonna do some. I did some panels on freelancing actually at, uh, at PaizoCon, including one on how to publish your homebrew world, and, um, and yeah, affording art. It's always a struggle. I wish I were an artist. It would be great. You went there at PaizoCon. Talk to me a little bit about the uh, the gathering in Texas. Is it? It's officially the old school gathering. Is that no, no. I mean that's what I call it. It's the old school roundup down in Dallas. But the the name of the show is the North Texas RPG Con or the North Texas Role Playing Game Convention. Gotcha, gotcha. And it's a tiny show, but it's a completely mind meltingly awesome show. <laughs> um, it's. They cap attendance at like 300 people. 
right? Wow. So it's kind of like Gamehole Con or Gary Con. It's a, it's a small convention, and it totally goes out of its way to invite people who who used to work at TSR, who are well-known in the sort of old-school D&D style for publishing new stuff. And I'll just name-drop shamelessly for a minute here, right? Please, please do. Okay, first of all, I was honored to be invited as a guest, right? Because it means I'm now officially old enough, and my TSR yurts <laughs> are long ago enough that I'm, like, verging on grognardhood. So, okay. <laughs> Yay me, I'm old as the hills. But the people who were there a bunch of them were my heroes right like i got to meet lawrence schick the author of white plume mountain he was Whoa, hanging out talking nice. about the new work he's doing in the video game world with people like bill slavasek is on his team uh zeb cook the designer of second edition D. well he was at the show too and he was hanging out with his buddy lawrence because they're both working at the same video game company um <laughs> Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman were sitting at a table uh, in Dallas, like, you know, a little booth kind of thing, signing books, and there was no line. <laughs> I like If you see Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman at Gen Con, it's like, well, the line is around the corner back there mm-hmm. and past the rope, right? And you'll need tickets. <laughs> and so, like, good luck. Um, uh, Errol Otis was there and I didn't even get to meet him. <laughs> there were so many awesome people. It's like, how did I miss Errol Otis? There were only 300 people. I somehow did not meet him. Um, Steve Perrin of, of RuneQuest fame was there. Jeff D, the artist of, I don't know, a million old school things. Um, Jeff Grubb was there, of course, longtime friend of Cobalt Press. Totally. You know, it was, oh, Merle Rasmussen. Wow. The top secret designer, right? <laughs> and he stopped by, he introduced himself, a couple of the, we were having lunch and he talked for a while about, you know, his work at, while he was in college on top secret, sending it off to Gary and Gygax saying, yeah, print this, let's get a contract for this guy, top secret, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, Merle, you just lucked in, you just sent him a manuscript and that was it? <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. <laughs> Uh, it was so, a lot easier back then, I guess. <laughs> well, maybe he said he had to type. He had to go through typists. He hand wrote the manuscript, and oh then he gosh. destroyed the brains and eyesight of several touch typists who turned it into paper manuscripts, which were then sent by, you know, certified mail to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways it was easier. In other ways, it was like, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it was just. It was a lot of love for old-style gaming, and people were playing, um, you know, white box D&D and swords and wizardry from Frog God and a bunch of retro clone stuff. Um, And it was a blast. And I show up, and of course, what do I say? I say, well, I'd like to run some fifth edition here. (laughs) Because I have this thing I want to play test, right? Uh, uh, so you were you just wanted to make sure that they knew you weren't as grognardy as you might have been assumed yes. to be at this convention, right? All right. They're like, didn't you in TSR? And I'm, yeah, yeah, I did. That was second edition. You're a new kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I guess I am. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know what to run, and I felt like. Am I really going to run Boot Hill for these guys? Because they all know it, and I've forgotten it. So, <laughs> so I, I went with what I knew, right? It's like let's. It, it's clearly all D and D. There wasn't a whole lot of Pathfinder there. It right. was um, Boot Hill and Gamma World. I think were about as non D and D ish as it got. So it was all TSR stuff and and Fifth Edition. Yeah, okay, I'll run that. And I had two tables of it. And they were both great. I had the the level of play was great. People had a good time. The second table I ran, they were both playtests for a fifth edition version of a a Midgard adventure called the Raven's Call. And the second table I had was was just I couldn't I couldn't get my brain around it until afterwards. But it was three fathers and three sons, and they didn't all know each other. Right, <laughs> it was like this is a setup, right? Here's the old school dads and the young, like you know, I think the youngest player was eleven or twelve, and the next generation of gamers right here at one table. So, um, wow. yeah, I had a really great time with it because clearly half the table had been gaming forever, 
And the other half of the table was like full of youthful enthusiasm, right? <laughs> and and not to knock their ability at all. They were like totally on top of the rules and hey, let's do this cool combo thing. Our characters can pull this off. Um, you know, just as sharp, but a little less jaded, I guess, right? Than than the older crowd. So it was fun to see that at an old school gathering. There are a bunch of 11, 15, and 20 year olds, right? Right, all playing the latest edition of D&D. Sure, why not, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of what a couple of them said was, well, you know, we'd kind of given up on new stuff until 5th edition brought us back into the tent Mm -hmm. uh, because it feels fast and loose and we can play it without bogging down or worrying about it very much. I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess that Wizards of the Coast, you know, surveys and strategy and market research and whatever the heck Hasbro did to decide on their direction, it worked, right? Because they <laughs> they have a, a bunch of new gamers who might not have picked up uh, Fourth Edition or Pathfinder or Fate or anything, right? Mm-hmm. They might not be gaming at all if they weren't playing Fifth. Yeah, it's amazingly still uh, part of the New York Times bestseller list, the the Player's Handbook. Now, a, almost a year later. You know, really? Yeah, yeah. It's not the New York Times bestseller list. It is, which probably doesn't speak well for the print market at the moment. <laughs> uh, but it does Maybe. speak good for RPGs, right? Yeah, no. Any ink is good ink. If somebody's reading the New York Times and runs across D and D Player's Handbook and says, "Oh, really? There's a new one." <laughs> I mean, that's that's awesome. You know, I think personally, it speaks to the fact that when you give uh, a company a lot of time to develop a rule set uh, yes. that it is worth it. You know, that it was worth the the two or three years they took to really focus their energies on this rule set and get all that feedback and all the market research and everything uh, yep. really paid off for them. You know? No, no, it really did. I mean, they're getting gangbuster sales to bring a bunch of people back into the hobby. I hope it pays off in other ways for them as well. I mean, I, their staff is so small, and they just <laughs> lost Rodney Thompson to Bungie. They did, yeah. <laughs> which it's like, yay for Bungie, yay for Rodney. <laughs> Ouch for D and D. Exactly. Well, and you hope that you know that obviously there are a lot of things that they're still, you know, things that we were promised when Fifth Edition launched that we're still maybe waiting to see, like an OGL or digital yeah. tool. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some digital tools. The Fantasy Ground stuff is pretty sweet, although it's not. Yes. It's not cheap, but it's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the OGL, yeah. Wow. I I, <laughs> I I can't tell you how much I'd love there to be an OGL right now because <laughs> because there's clearly demand, right? It's like. Uh, as a publisher, you're always like, well, here's the audience I've had, and here's people who aren't getting enough support. And mm-hmm. like, I would love to publish a whole bunch of 5th edition stuff with an official license. And I know a lot of people are sort of doing it unofficially, hey, wink, wink, this is compatible type stuff. Right, right. And, and I don't know, maybe I wind up in that camp eventually if no OGL happens, but it would be better for... I don't know, the hobby, I think. <laughs> Maybe not better for Hasbro, but certainly better for small, plucky third-party publishers. <laughs> if there were licenses, I could say, hey, compatible with D&D or, or whatever, right, on the cover. Because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. then people would go, oh, oh, okay, great, this is one of those. Um, as opposed to all that sort of roundabout discussion, which I get it. Sure. Um, but, I mean, all the players I was with were like, oh, so are you publishing something? Maybe. <laughs> I, I have stuff in the can. Some of it I could talk about, right? Like this adventure, the, the Raven's Call is just like a 20-some page adventure. Third-level mm-hmm. characters, bunch of pre-gens, a new monster, new magic. It's fairly straightforward, right? Nice and, nice. and I would love to just put it out there and say, hey, it's a PDF, or hey, it's a it's a printed thing, and it's like 10 bucks, right? But I, I don't know how I feel about doing it without a license. I don't frog God, and other people have. A lot of other people at this point are trying it out. Sure. Um, And so I'm holding it until such time, (laughs) as I feel like 
sad that there's no license <laughs> or or until a license magically appears but it, it's looking more and more like a unicorn right it's like i i was pretty sure there was going to be one in the first half of the year and before gen con mm-hmm. so, nothing uh and i got a couple others as well right i mean like the midgard campaign setting people keep asking me so <laughs> when are you gonna convert the whole campaign book to be a fifth edition campaign. I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm flattered you ask, first of all. <laughs> and second, you can run the campaign setting just with the D&D fifth edition core rules, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, totally. Don't need extra stuff, but they're like, yeah, we want to have some Gearforged characters and some Kobolds and maybe a Minotaur and, you know, mm-hmm. Raven folk don't have any support in fifth edition. <laughs> Although I should point out that a fan has already converted the Raven folk into a fifth edition player base, and I'm like, "Yes, saved me the trouble here." Let's, <laughs> uh, let's just point at that when people ask me about it. Um, you know, I guess that's what I'm seeing around fifth edition: is a lot of fan enthusiasm, a lot of fan conversions, a lot of people saying, "Well, clearly Hasbro isn't providing a wealth of material the way." Paizo provides a wealth of new products every month, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to do it ourselves. And it reminds me a little bit of the early days of the hobby where it's like, here's the latest Gygax module. It's eight pages long. <laughs> It'll be six months before you see another one. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe I have got a Grognard card because that's starting to feel like yeah. Come on, pick <laughs> some of this up yourself. <laughs> well, you know, run run a homebrew campaign. Oh yeah, and I think you're seeing that. I'd certainly, if you search the the blogosphere and if you yeah. go look for look at what's available for free or for cheap on Drive Through RPG and stuff, you can find a lot of things compatible with the fifth edition of the world's most popular role-playing game i think is exactly the, the phrase that is often used that is the magic phrase that is invoked and and you can tell the enthusiasms there because a lot of those things are kind of cobbled together by newcomers into the publishing realm right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like there's there's frog god doing some stuff and i think goodman games has done a few yes. adventures that have yes. been pretty well received but it's it's not like everybody has jumped aboard the fifth edition stuff because a Pathfinder is still a huge audience, mm-hmm. um, and and b it's like well I don't know if you're already running with Savage Worlds or Fate or or Pathfinder do you want to switch horses right right exactly and you already have you know uh, so many products purchased and an investment you know and uh, yep. you don't want to just walk away from an investment especially. Yeah, you know. although I have to take issue with that word. <laughs> I know people, gamers talk about the, their investment in a rule set. I'm always like, no, investments are what I do like when I buy bonds or stocks. <laughs> or I, I sink my money into a you know duplex with my brother-in-law and we become landlords. That's an investment. This is like, no, I blew money on game stuff because I love it. And mm-hmm. I don't expect it to pay me back except in entertainment dollars right it's like (laughs) i don't know it's one of those things where i get it people are people have spent a lot of time and effort learning and mastering the rule set right Mm -hmm. and they've spent cash on hey i have all the supplements that i care to have but (laughs) uh investment i it feels too wall street for me (laughs) it's true yeah you're you're not getting more money back, right? From <laughs> right, you're getting more fun back. You're certainly getting your entertainment worth, right? It's like I could spend fifteen bucks on the new Mad Max and be done in two hours, mm-hmm. or I could spend fifteen bucks on a uh, you know hundred page soft bound campaign for Midgard. <laughs> hey, that'll last me I don't know a couple months. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, and speaking of Midgard, uh, I, you know, the fact that you're there at the old school gaming gathering, uh, showing off the 5th edition version of the Raven's Call, which uh, I think introduces the Trollkin, is that right? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was fun to make the Trollkin for 5th edition, because they regenerate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so what what sort of things can you talk about uh, that you're you're thinking about fifth edition wise? I would love to see a Midgar campaign setting. You, uh, I take well, my I money right you now, and I will not <laughs> yeah. tell anyone. So <laughs> I would I would so love to do Midgard for fifth edition, and and it's sort of all right. So it was published in 2012, right? It, and it was published for Pathfinder and and Dragon Age, mm-hmm. now being reprinted as the Fantasy Age RPG from Green Running. And and you know, normally a campaign setting gets refreshed about every five years, maybe. Sure, give or take. So normally, I would say, well, the next Pathfinder edition or the next Fantasy Age edition of Midgard will come out in 2017 because that would be five years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as it is, it's like I I don't feel confident enough to say, yeah, let's do a hardcover because I know how much work it is to like redo the whole setting. What I plan on doing instead for Midgard fans who are playing 5th edition now, and my goodness, do I hear from them a lot, um, <laughs> is, first of all, there's going to be a couple of adventures, either as freebies or, or small run uh, printed adventures. Then there's going to be something that I'm calling Midgard Heroes, which does sort of what it sounds like. It's all the player character options, right? So player character backgrounds um, for the core races in Midgard to include Gearforged, Cobalts, uh, Ravenfolk, all of those, and a version of Midgard Heroes for the Southlands campaign setting, because we're shipping that in a matter of weeks. Um, Nice. And that would mean, yeah, so the Southlands character races i mean you got your minotaurs there you got your lizard folk you've also got your weir lions just to name one that doesn't come up that often right it's like (laughs) yeah we could do those and we've got your gnolls so we're gonna have those available as fifth edition playable races Mm -hmm. um and we've been working on a couple of people uh rich howard dan dillon uh, a couple other developers and I hammering on this stuff for a while. Um, because, I mean, that's where it starts. If you don't have player characters that you're happy with, if you don't have a, a set of representative races that are already in the setting, you know, then you're playing Midgard with dwarves and elves and halflings, but not with all the weird, funky stuff that you, you would expect, necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping to get Shadow Fae in there, too. We'll see. Um, yeah, I know. I was like, yeah, it's great. So that's the main level of support that there's going to be. So that, uh, that book or, uh, two booklets, the Southlands one may be independent of the core Midgard one, mm-hmm. um, basically let you launch any Midgard campaign or refocus any Midgard campaign, uh, to include those races. And of course, I mean, the Midgard tradition is, we want this stuff to be lootable and, and homebrewable and easy to port into your game. So if you want to take Ravenfolk and you want to put them in your somewhat Norse Vikings campaign, well, they fit easily, right? It's mm-hmm. seamless. If you want to take lizard folk and put them into your, you know, war in the swamp campaign, <laughs> um, well, they're lizard folk. They, they fit right in. And if you want to take the weir lions and go to ancient Egypt and, and do, you know, a full campaign um, with the ancient gods of, of Egypt or, or you know, African warriors, whatever. Um, we're lions fit right in. So <laughs> yeah, those will be easy to drop in. I'm going to, I mean, it's called the Midgard heroes series, but it's, it's, I don't want to call it generic, but it's, it's pretty easy to plug and play somewhere else. Wow. That's pretty awesome. And I do want to do all of those things with all of those races. <laughs> I'd like very much to take those right now and put them into my world. Well, I hope to have stuff to share with playtesters. The Southlands races were promised to backers of the Southlands Kickstarter, so Mm -hmm. some version of that is going out to Southlands backers, many of whom are still playing Pathfinder, and that's totally great. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I said it was a stretch goal, one of 50 stretch goals, and we we hit it, so we're going to send them a copy. And and see how that goes. And then beyond that, it's like, well, I have other fifth edition plans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they all involve like allocating a huge amount of effort and big 
spots on the Cobalt Press schedule and, you know, my time and a lot of other people's time to make them happen. So I, I'm still holding out hope for a license <laughs> before I do a hardcover. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I, I totally understand that, especially as a company that has already worked with wizards before. Yeah. yeah I, I understand I, you want to tread that ground carefully, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to piss off anyone at Hasbro yeah. or anyone at Wizards. I like those guys. I'd be happy to work with them again. I suspect they may need help down the road given their staff is small. <laughs> um, you never know where that that's going to go, and I mean, yeah. As an ex Wizards employee, I don't want to don't want to burn any bridges. I want to be on good terms with those guys. Um, if they decide they don't want to do an open license, I mean, I can release some of this stuff as community content and not not worry about it too much. Yeah. Um, and and people have it to play, but sort of as a business proposition, yeah, it's like, well, I really, as a gamer, I just want it to happen. <laughs> Well, and, and from a business perspective, uh, to me, it makes sense to, to do that. One, because you are getting more content out there and, and you know, a rising tide lifting all ships. Uh, yep. If there's an adventure I want to play that somebody else has put out, I can convince some friends to purchase a player's handbook, right? Or, or to buy the Fantasy Grounds license so we can play over a virtual table or, or whatever it is that, that can make them some money. But then it's also the fact that there are all of these small presses who have an audience that maybe Wizards isn't reaching because they're already playing Pathfinder or another game and they're getting materials for that game through you guys. If they see you start to sell some 5th edition stuff, maybe they think, oh, I should check this game out too. And suddenly they're playing both. You know, it seems like a win-win to me. It is, and there's room for more than one RPG. I know some people are always like, I'm only playing one system at a time, and other people dabble with this and then jump over to that, and it's Cthulhu one week, and it's, you know, <laughs> Mutants and Masterminds the next week. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's there's room for more than one, but, yeah, most people do sort of focus on, well, what am I in the mood for now? Do I want to commit to a year-long campaign or a multi-year campaign? Sure. Sure, but you know, then there there are those of us who juggle D and D and Knights Black Agents. You know, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, and some games seem to lend themselves to shorter arcs. I mean, I think Knights Black Agents. Oh yeah, I, mean, I can picture long term campaigns, just like I can picture year long Cthulhu campaigns. It's just the mortality rate and the play style. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's more difficult. Let's say that. Absolutely. It is absolutely more difficult. And, and, you know, I think, uh, those games are good as for people who get really busy, you know, life, uh, gets busy as you get older, um, yeah. have kids or whatever. It's great to have those options of games that are shorter as well. Um, I, you know. I have been looking closely at games that play fast, right? And games where you can pack a lot of story and a lot of punch, uh, a lot of heroics into less time. Yep. Uh, um, and I think most gamers would like that. At the same time, of course, we all want like, oh, total verisimilitude and I want a million <laughs> character options. It's like, well, you can't have like the bookshelf worth of books and the super speedy play at the table, right? Exactly. It's, it's a trade-off. It is. It is. But I, I think Fifth is doing a, a pretty nice job. Uh, having a good balance of, you know... Um, yeah, they have resisted the splat book creep. Yes. Uh, perhaps even more so than some people are happy with, right? There's people, <laughs> I would throw money at you if you did the big book of elves that I've always wanted. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Hasbro has pretty much held the line. No, we're doing these adventures, we're doing some board games, we're doing some video games. We're not doing a complete mm-hmm. book line. It's true. It's true. Although I cannot wait to get my hands on Sword Coast Legends. That video game looks awesome. (laughs) They showed a bunch of it at E3. It looks really promising. I I have high hopes that it will be cool. I think it's clear that they are they're treating their video game electronic partnerships really well. Yes. Yeah. They're they're definitely doing a great job there. So and I seems like uh, you know like they're doing with these adventures. They're they are putting trust in other presses and other um people yeah they're taking the same approach (laughs) i i think that well with video games they don't have a choice right (laughs) they don't have a video game studio right away and rented somewhere that (laughs) did we have that just down the street 
Well, how do we forget that? Right? <laughs> 120 people. Look at all these animators. No, no, they right, don't have right. it. Right. It, that takes years to build up, <laughs> but the sort of small studios doing the adventure design. Yeah. That's, I mean, obviously Cobalt Press benefited from that. They said, would you like to do one? We said, heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, I, it's clear that that's the road they're going, right? It's like Sasquatch right. and the Green Ronin, and I can't wait to see Out of the Abyss, but uh, it seems like they're trusting their partners to to deliver on these things, right? Mm-hmm. So, Well, yeah, uh, and like you said, as, as that R&D team continues to shrink... Uh, that- Gosh, I hope it doesn't continue to shrink. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hope that they put out a call and hire some, you know, astonishing new designer. Actually, the funny thing is they hired Sean Reynolds to help, right? That's right. Yeah, they brought him back. Yeah. They brought him back. It's like, hey, Sean, I remember you back from Blake Geneva. Well, now you're working <laughs> at Wizards again. I kind of thought of you as a Paizo guy for a while. But it shows you how small the industry is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they know him. And they've worked with him before. They said, well, Sean is the kind of guy who can organize this for us and so yay off they go yeah well and it's smart and you know now that now that fifth edition is there like we might see some people get traded back and forth between wizards and paizo over and over again you know that would be interesting (laughs) i i hate it i mean on the one hand i like the fact that there's such a concentration of both video game and tabletop talent in the seattle area right i can I can go down to Mox Boarding House and run into game designers I know or, or people who are big in the organized play scene or Magic the Gathering Pro Tour people. I mean, they're all here, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but at the same time, it, it feels a little like we're, I don't know, isolated, incestuous. What is the word I'm looking for? I think those are good, good words. Yeah. It's not like we don't pay attention outside the Seattle city limits, but, but there's a real hub here for, for gaming and games talent. Um, and I guess that's the way cities work, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. They have their industries, you know? Yeah. Um, If you're into airplanes or software or games, um, <laughs> Seattle is a good place. Wow, who isn't into those things? That's <laughs> I love all of those things, and airplanes not the least among them. It's like, man, how would I get to Gen Con without Boeing? Hmm. Well, that's true. And you know, speaking of Gen Con, let's talk a little bit about that. Obviously, you're going to be there. You're like the king of Gen Con. Uh, uh, so I the, the king who rules from a very small keep at the back of the hall near the restrooms. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Well, it's, it feels like though when you look at the schedule, I feel like I know what your schedule is because it seems like you are going to be giving a seminar or yep. there are games being, uh, you know, run with your adventures and stuff. So it, you, you are going to be a busy person. Oh like. yeah, no, it's the total opposite of something like PaizoCon or or North Texas RPG Con. Um, it's it's wall to wall. Say hello. Play like mad. Panels. It's some party time in the late afternoon, early evening. Um, <laughs> you know, there's things like the Any Awards. Um, totally. It's it's impossible to rest or sleep much at Gen Con um, because it is wall to wall. And I'm planning on uh, a full schedule. Oh my goodness, Ben McFarland did a great job rounding up. Uh, events. We're running fifth edition uh, adventures. We're running a ton of Pathfinder stuff. Um, like, yeah, when I said we're running like 15 tables at PaizoCon, I think we're running like 30 tables worth of stuff at, at Gen Con, which is a lot for a small press. Yeah. 25 or 30? Ben could give you the exact number, right? People keep popping in and saying, I could take another table, and other people like, I, I'm canceling my whole trip. So <laughs> it's... <laughs> Well, it's been hard to get hotels, right? That's mm-hmm. the other struggle. Um, sure. But yeah, Gen Con's going to be great. I've got a bunch of panels I'm really excited to do. Um, Southlands is going to be there. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're, we're basically at the back of the hall. Booth 2639, don't forget. 2639. Uh, with our partners. We're, we're actually partnered up with Legendary Games. So. Oh, great. They're awesome, yeah. too. They are awesome. So uh, Jason Nelson, I think, will be the main person in the, the booth there. And Brian Berg of uh, TPK Games mm-hmm. is there. And you might not know him as 
much, but let me tell you, he he knows his stuff, and he uh, he does the convention circuit in the Midwest, and um, is a real sharp sharp fellow. So he's got uh, uh, he's got some books to talk about, and mostly Pathfinder oriented. But yeah, great stuff. So I'm looking forward to hanging out, meeting new people. Um, I don't know if I'll actually get to play games the way I do at the smaller <laughs> conventions. It's it's really tough to say, yeah, I can take a four-hour block at Gen Con and just get to play. That feels like a luxury to me, but <laughs> we'll see. It, it's been known to happen sometimes, usually from about 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Right, but. right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they physically lock you out of your booth. That's right. All the, the booth is closed. Yeah. <laughs> the bars are closed. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's the one opportunity to see like every freelancer, um, all the artists, and what everybody's bringing, all the new stuff, um, and it's it's a little overwhelming. And I, I I'm always torn in this love hate relationship with Gen Con because it's a lot of work to get ready and it's exhausting. But I always walk away from it saying, "Wow, that was amazing." So, <laughs> well, and people don't know this, but Gen Con is the first time that I met you last year at Gen Con, and you uh. could not have been more approachable and kind and i think it was like the very last day you were at the booth uh, i had no voice left <laughs> right right uh, yeah. yeah well i mean i hang out at the booth a lot i probably put in like 20 hours at the cobalt press booth at gen con over four days and the other <laughs> half is like seminars and meetings and all of that because frankly i mean i'm there to see people right uh, it's it's just a blast to to put names together with faces and sort of say, oh my goodness, you came all the way from Finland. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that stuff happens, right? Oh and yeah. I'm like, oh look, it's this reviewer who said kind things or maybe not so kind things. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> um, but. I don't know. There's no other opportunity like it, right? To just sort of wander down artist's alley and say, oh, why, there's Todd Lockwood and Larry Elmore and uh, people whose work is, uh, you know, been on books I love. To meet the people who, you know, I think you, you put it a great way, people spend hours and months playing the games that people have designed. You know, you feel like, I'd say more so than any other entertainment medium, you feel like you really know these people because you're inside their head so often, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you see, you see what their shtick is and what they like. I mean, if you, yeah, you read a novel, you read a, or you play a game, and you have some sense of what the people are like. Um, like there was, was a famous game designer by the name of Tom Wom, mm-hmm. used to be a TSR, did a bunch of awesome board games and a little bit of RPG stuff. Apparently, he's still around, and he's going to be at a convention uh, called Gamehole Con in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, going to be there in November. And I'm like, man, I loved his games. I played the ones that they printed in Dragon Magazine. I tore out all the counters and cards. I bought the ones that were box sets. I thought he had a great sense of humor and fun and a really lighthearted touch that was like, not like grim, dark, dark, grim, Warhammer, death, doom stuff. It was just great, right? It's like awful green things from outer space is one of his. <laughs> and I want to meet him, right? Because I know him just by his games and I feel like I know him. But it would be even cooler to say, yeah, his beard really is that ridiculous. Like, in <laughs> Well, I'm sure a lot of people will want to say that about you. So make sure you keep growing that beard that we saw on the uh, last Kickstarter bad video. Bad news that front. It's summer. <laughs> it's hot. I don't know if it's going to make it. <laughs> uh, well, people should definitely go back and check out that video of your beard. Uh, and they should also, uh, it sounds like you're very approachable and, and you would like people to come see you. So, uh, yeah, no. Come down to the Cobalt Press booth at Gen Con. Say hi. Come to a panel. You don't have to buy something to say hello. Just, you know, say hi. Um, tell me who you are. And, yeah, that's kind of the way you meet new friends at conventions. Is just bump into people once or twice. And next thing you know, they're signing your book or they're, uh, they're saying, oh, well, we have an empty chair over here. Come game with us. Right? <laughs> so, um, that's the way it works. You know, Wolfgang, uh, I know we're, we're running out of time here. I do have one more question before we get to the where can people find you and all that goodness. Um, and this sure. is something I've always been curious about. 
What is it about kobolds that you love so much? <laughs> well, there's two-part answer to that. The, the one part is they're the underdogs, and everybody loves the underdogs. Yeah, right? that is true. The ultimate yeah, underdog. I, <laughs> yeah, when I started off with you know Cobalt Quarterly and Cobalt Press, it was like, well, it's a tiny show. We have no resources. This work. We're totally undercapitalized, right? <laughs> um, so we're going to sweat and work and, and just try harder to, to do good stuff. Um, so some of it was just, I love the underdogs. The other part of it, of course, is, well, kobolds are German monsters, right? They're, oh. they're very Germanic mind knockers. <laughs> they're the creatures that do those mysterious rapping and tapping and clicking noises of stone deep in the dark of a coal mine or a salt mine or any mine in old Central Europe, right? If you didn't know who was making that noise, it was the kobolds, um, which is a, a myth I love. And, of course, eventually their name got taken up to another thing I love. See, there's so many reasons to <laughs> No end. I can go on. Uh, I mean, way back when in, in college, I got my degree in chemistry. Mm-hmm. And there's one element in particular, which I still like to this day, which is cobalt, mm. which is spelled differently, but it's exactly the same linguistic term and etymology, right? It's named after the little mine monsters. So it's got chemistry, it's got Germanic myth and folklore, and it's underdogs. That's three reasons to love cobalts. And yeah. <laughs> now, of course, it's got great gaming, too, so. <laughs> absolutely wow that's uh that's good i did i wasn't sure if you were gonna have a great answer or not and uh i, I got you, like delivered. you delivered I, I, I have no end of re- well of course tony dieterlisi has been drawing cobalts lately i don't know if you saw his realms book mm. but eh, he's been sketching out cobalts lately that make me just go yeah all right there's a little guy trying to survive in a difficult digital publishing environment uh his art is one of the the things that you know i love best about second edition D his monsters and stuff and he he seems to like kobolds too because he keeps drawing them so it's good art for them kobolds fascinate me because the rate at which they die uh, <laughs> They, they must just be reproducing left and right. Like the gestation it's, period for a cobalt is like a day because it's super short. Uh, You're right. It's like they're laying eggs kind of like hens, right? Mm-hmm. They're just, you, you've got a cobalt coop out back. You got 50 eggs back there. <laughs> <laughs> you Well, that is the other fun thing about them at the table, right? They're, they're sort of ridiculous and they, they die in droves and they, they try to survive and, and somehow they are survivors, right? They get wiped out by the adventurers, but there's always one kobold at the back who doesn't quite fit into the fireball radius. Ah, he shrieks, <laughs> he flees, he survives. <laughs> He's the hero kobold, for sure. He's the hero kobold, yes, who goes and gets his friend the ogre. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a funny thing. I just didn't feel like we were ever going to be a big enough company to take a name like... Uh, dragon or you know super epic mythic <laughs> uh, maybe maybe i should have boasted more i should have called it super epic mythic games <laughs> well i think we would expect some real over-the-top products from you uh if that were the case so <laughs> uh, we try we got a few of those coming mm-hmm. man I, I don't know how much you want want to hear about the advanced races compendium but yeah we're in the thick of that now oh, and it's, uh, i would it's love to hear about it. yeah i mean um, i know you you and steve came on the show earlier uh and that kickstarter by the way congratulations was very successful yeah well now now the work phase is you know right. the, the fundraising the kickstarting the hey we want to do this thing is over and it's it's into the oh yeah we said we were going to do all that work right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um and we got Oh, we're so far along. We have like eight chapters that are in various stages of layout. We've got um, Owen Stevens, Brandon Hodge. Um, a couple of people turned us down. Uh, I have to remember who said yes and who said no. I mean, some of the designers we got are uh, are amazing too for the stretch goals that weren't even written yet. So like getting Brandon Hodge to write the rat folk for us, I think is a win. Um John Ling Jr. of Frog God Games is doing our Weir Sharks bit. Um, 
yeah, it's coming together. Oh, Jim Groves, who's done no end of awesome uh, Pathfinder stuff, uh, has done an expansion for the Dragonkin, um, Ritual Magic, and some other options. So that's all starting to trickle in uh, on top of the chapters that are sort of already in layout. And basically everybody's working simultaneously to try and get everything squared away, get all the final art. Um, and get the first chapters out to backers. I'm hopeful that we're going to have like sample chapters to to share with backers in July or August, um, and not like just one or two, but a bunch, and see what people think. Um, because unlike prior projects, I think this one, or going back to the oldest tradition of Cobalt Press, this project is really going to be like reviewed by uh, any backer who wants you know to take a look at it comment on it so that's awesome that's amazing yeah. well i can't wait to. i don't know that we could take all the feedback and uh, respond to it all and still print in a timely way <laughs> but that's the plan is to show off some of these chapters and get a lot of eyes on it um they're pretty tight they're pretty well written um steve helt and al rig and Thilo Graf are all developers on this book and they're amazing they're like finding stuff and like oh yeah yeah, we should have fixed that the first time. So they're they're picking up every rock and looking for every you know issue and smashing it flat. So it's <laughs> it's come a long way. This book in the it's been now eight months we've been working on it. Wow, wow, that's awesome. Well, congratulations. It sounds like this is going to be a huge success. I cannot wait to get my copy. Um, uh, so, end yeah. of the year is what we promised everyone in time for Christmas. I don't know <laughs> if we're going to make it, but <laughs> the schedule is really tight. If anything blows up, there's the possibility of, you know, us slipping into January. But at the moment, uh, full speed ahead. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I will let you get back to work. Uh, excellent. But uh, before you go, just let people know, where can they find you? Where can they check you out? Uh, a bunch of places. Uh, CobaltPress.com is the blog and the store, and uh, we we post there every weekday. Um, there's also a Cobalt Press Twitter account. There's a Cobalt Press page on Facebook. Um, I have my own personal writers page on Facebook that I should update. Um, and there's a bunch of other places we can regularly be found hanging out um there's a g plus community actually for cobalt press that's been quite lively and somebody started a subreddit for us that i went to like three times and then didn't go again so i should check out whether that's <laughs> somebody should kick off a new thread on reddit for cobalt press because it's out there i don't like seems like a fun place to hang out do old style uh forums mm -hmm. but uh you know, soon enough, Instagram and Tumblr, but we're not there yet. <laughs> well, if you guys want to find all of those things in one place, they'll all be linked over at thetomeshow.com. You can follow The Tome Show on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Wolfgang, thank you very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. And you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com, or facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's a ton of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tone Show lineup, and extra thanks to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the roundtable.